Well, good morning, Springbrook. My name is Bethany, and I am the worship director here, and it is my honor to welcome you to worship here with us this morning. If you are in the room, wow, you are brave. You brave in the cold, come in in this morning. If you are worshiping online, if you're worshiping from home, we want to welcome you as well. I want to let you know if you are worshiping from home that we have online hosts who are standing by all throughout the service who would love to spend time in prayer with you or answer any questions you might have. So at springbrook.live, use that request prayer button and you'll get taken into a one-on-one private prayer chat with one of our online hosts and they would be delighted to spend that time with you. I also want to let you know if you are at home that we will be celebrating communion together this morning. So during these first couple of songs, if you want to go ahead and get your communion elements together, have something to drink, something to eat, so you can participate and partake in communion along with us. Well, I want to read to you our call to worship today from the book of 1 John. This is chapter 4. It says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us. I lost my place. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God abides in us. and His love is perfected in us. Let's stand and worship our God this morning, who is love.
And you may be seated. Well, if you're with us in person this morning, we'd like to invite you to go ahead and take your seats. And if you're with us together uh, online, we are so grateful that you are with us as we come together today um, to celebrate communion. I just wanted to share something with you. We are in our fourth week of our exploring God's presence uh, in our life in this series. uh, We're looking at God's presence in our life. And I want you to know that this series was birthed out of a desire to experience more of God's presence in our lives. The whole series is about helping us to be able to experience God's presence so that we can experience that sense of awe that the early Christians were able to experience. It's my prayer that as we go through this series together at our church, at our congregation, that if you're watching online, that you would experience more of God's presence in your life. Now, that's our prayer, that we would experience God's presence in our life. And so I pray that you've been blessed by the four weeks. We've got two more weeks in this series, and um, I'm looking forward to being able to experience more of God's presence in my life, and I hope that you are as well. We have an opportunity to come together this morning to celebrate communion. As I reflect on communion in Matthew in chapter 26, when Jesus was with the disciples, in uh, beginning in 26 in uh, verse 17, it was just before the Passover, Jesus had come together with his disciples. And I love what it says in verse 20. It says, Jesus was with the twelve. Jesus was with the disciples at that last Passover meal, just before he'd be led away to be crucified. But I can't help but imagine what the image of that would have been like to be with Jesus. I mean, he was with them. That's what this series is all about. It's about being with God and having him experience us as we enjoy our relationship with him. As Jesus would go on through Matthew 26, Jesus would institute communion. And he would lift up a loaf of bread and he'd say, this is my body that's going to be given for you. It's going to be broken for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you eat this bread, do this in remembrance of me. And then afterwards, he'd lift the cup up and he said, this cup is reflective of my blood that's going to be shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink this, do this in remembrance of me. And so just like those early disciples, communion is an opportunity for us to stop and to give pause and to celebrate who we are in Christ. But it's also an opportunity to invite him into our lives to give him an ever-increasing sense of his presence in our life. Just two chapters or just two chapters later, in Matthew 28, just before Jesus would be um, risen from the grave and, and be risen to go up to heaven, Jesus would give the disciples the Great Commission. And he would say, look, while you're going, make disciples of all nations, baptize them, teach them. And then he says, and I will be with you to the very end of the age. Jesus was with the disciples at communion, and he promises us to be with us as we continue to live out our faith today. And so it's my prayer that as we come together to take communion together, that we would be able to stop and to pause, to reflect, to give thanks for who we are in Christ, but also that we could stop and ask God to give us an increasing sense of his presence in our life. And so if you're taking communion online this morning, hopefully you've got some elements. If you don't have elements right now, then don't worry about that. Take these next few moments just to stop and to pray and to ask God to give him a sense of his presence in your life. Give thanks for who you are in Christ. And if you have questions about that, we'd love the opportunity to talk with you about how to have a relationship with Christ. Communion is an opportunity for us as Christ followers to come to celebrate, you know, who we are, our identity in Christ. And if you're with us in person this morning, we have some communion elements towards the front. We want to invite you to make your way. I'm doing this next song. You can pick up your communion elements and you can take those back to your seat. And so, but be sure to maintain some social distances. We want to respect the people around us. But we want to spend these next few moments as we reflect on this next song, 
uh, to celebrate who we are in Christ, to give thanks for that, and to ask God to give us a sense of his presence in our lives. And so let's celebrate communion together as we uh, celebrate who we are together as the body of Christ. And then Bethany will close us in prayer in just a few moments.
even as we pray for you to have mercy, we know that in Christ you've already given it to us. We thank you for the assurance in your word that says when you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive. And so we know that even as we ask for mercy, you are already pouring it out on us. Father God, we come before you in awe this morning of who you are, in awe of your love for us, amazed and honored that you would choose us to take part in your kingdom work in this community. Father God, I lift up each one, whether in this room or worshiping from home, and I pray, Holy Spirit, give us a sense of your presence. We know you're already here. We don't have to invite you to be with us, but will you make us more and more aware of how close you are? Will you open up our hearts, open up our minds to receive what you have for us in your word this morning? Holy Spirit, we can't interpret or understand this word without you. We can't accomplish a single good thing without you. This is not about us showing up and doing good enough for you. you we are fully reliant upon you. And so we ask for you to open our eyes to see and our ears to hear, and our hearts to receive, that we might come humbly and open to receive what you have for us in your perfect word this morning. Father God, we love you, and all of this is for you and for your glory. We pray this in the matchless name of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and King. Amen. Amen. My name is Richard. I'm the lead pastor at Springbrook, and if this is your first time with us this morning, we are so glad that you are with us. If you're watching online, um, you should be able to, in the upper right-hand corner, uh, see a connection card. You can click that link, and uh, it's an opportunity for you just to let us know that you're watching with us. Uh, you can fill out uh, that online connection card, your name, your contact information, any information you feel comfortable sharing. I uh, would love the opportunity to get to know you a little bit better. If you've got any questions about Springbrook or any ministry interests at all, I uh, want to share a prayer request. There's a place for you to do that right there on that online connection card. And if you're with us uh, in person this morning, you've got a connection card that's sitting in your chair next to you. And so if you could just take a moment and fill that out. Uh, your name, the names of any adults that are with you, if you've got your kids with you, just uh, take a moment to fill that out. And there's a basket in the back, and you can drop that off on your way out this morning. But we are so glad that you are with us this morning. 
Hey, I wanted to let you know that um, our annual meeting, our ministry celebration, is coming up uh, two weeks from today. And so this is going to be an opportunity for us to affirm new elders. We're going to be looking at our budget. We'll be talking about our finances. And uh, so we have the business portion of our meeting. But we're going to spend an extended time in worship and in prayer. And we've got some great stories where God has been faithful this past year and where we're anticipating him to continue working in and through our ministry as we move forward into the new year. And so our, our annual meeting is going to be on February 26th. It's going to be at 11 o'clock. Uh, we're going to be in person. If you're unable to watch, or if you're unable to be in attendance with us, you'll be able to watch online. Uh, but I want to encourage you that if you are a member of Springbrook, please be sure to pick up a copy of your annual report. We've got copies here uh, in the lobby. Uh, you can pick those up at the table. You can stop and pick one up at our office. You can download it from our website. Uh, we, want, we want to encourage you uh, to get the information that you need to understand uh, some of the things that God's doing in and through Springbrook. And so please pick one of those up. And if you're not a member of Springbrook, maybe you're new, we want to encourage you uh, to pick up an annual report as well. It's a great opportunity for you to get to see and hear some of the great things that God's doing in and through this ministry. Uh, we're going to have a great time celebrating on the 26th. It's going to be at 11 o'clock. And if uh, you typically do watch the second service, it will be available online, but we will be using that time for our annual meeting uh, on the 26th. But if you have any questions about our annual meeting, uh, any questions about the annual reports or any information about our ministry, uh, please go to springbrook.org slash celebrate. Uh, there's a lot of information there that you're going to need uh, to prepare for our celebration. And so we want to encourage you that if you have any questions at all, uh, please feel free to reach out to me or any one of our elders. I uh, would love the opportunity to answer any questions that you might have uh, about Springbrook. And if you haven't downloaded our app yet, I'd encourage you to do that. We've got um, all of our information about our ministry uh, on our app as well. And so if you haven't downloaded that, um, we want to encourage you to do that. You can go to uh, our website. You can download it from there. Or you can just text uh, Springbrook app to 77977. You can download that. It's a great way for you to be connected uh, to what God's doing in and through our ministry here at Springbrook. And so if you haven't done that yet, we want to encourage you to do that. Well, we're continuing our series today. We're looking at God's presence today. We're going to be looking at the fact that God is among us. Uh, Pastor Tim's going to be teaching uh, this morning. I'm looking forward to uh, his message. I hope you are too, and we're glad that you're with us this morning. Tim. You know, when uh, my wife and I used to live down in the city, we would frequently find ourselves taking the L train to get from place to place. And uh, one of the things that's really interesting about something like uh, a, an L train is that it brings together the most unexpected of people. In fact, I, I love people watching, and sitting there on an L train ride was a great opportunity for me to just kind of look at the people around me. And it's interesting because, I mean, sometimes you would have a situation where you would have people that you would never expect to be in the same place, sat there right next to one another, and kind of for a brief moment journeying through life together. And so you might have a lawyer in a, a, a three-piece suit sat next to a homeless guy who's just riding the line back and forth trying to keep warm. You might have uh, a, an, a, a, an elderly grandmother sat next to uh, this young girl with, with dyed blue hair, with teardrop tattoos on her face, with piercings all over. And for a moment, on an L train ride, people who perhaps would seem the most unlikely to be together 
would sometimes even begin to interact. Now, it's true, a lot of the time that you're on the train, everybody's trying to do their own thing. They're trying to kind of ignore everyone around them. But sometimes uh, because of a conversation that starts up surrounding the bears or, or, or maybe... Uh, Somebody is wearing a sweatshirt and it's got the name of a school on it. And suddenly two people who have never met one another have a point of connection. It's like, oh, you went there too? And, and for five minutes between stations, they become friends. And then the train stops, the doors open, somebody gets out. And they perhaps never see one another again. You know, it's interesting that there are times in our lives that we encounter people who don't seem to go together. Because, you see, the reality is we live in a world, and we've each experienced this, where it's just plain easier to be around people who are like us, who tend to think the same way, who tend to vote the same way, who tend to shop at the same kind of stores, who can have a similar pattern to their life. But here's the wonderful thing about the church of Jesus Christ. See, the church is unlike any other group of people anywhere in the world. Because we are the people of God from every tribe and tongue and nation, the church of Jesus Christ, is the, the body of people who have a new identity in Jesus, who have a real and, and dynamic relationship with God, and who are at peace with one another. At least that's the way it's supposed to be. And as we walk by the Spirit of God in increasing measure, we begin to reflect a unity, a oneness that is utterly foreign to anything that a watching world can even begin to grasp. That people who once were separated from one another, utterly different from one another, that on the surface might seem to have nothing in common with one another, who perhaps don't speak the same language, who don't look the same, whose backgrounds were utterly different, are brought together in a beautiful way. You see, Jesus loves his church, and he has reconciled his people to God and to one another so that we might both enjoy and display his presence with us. He loves us. He's brought us together. And together, we not only experience him in a unique way, but we also demonstrate him in a powerful way before a watching world. We're going to spend a little bit of time together digging into this and really celebrating what it is that Christ has done and the difference that it makes as we look together in Ephesians chapter 2 this morning. So go ahead, grab your Bible, Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to look beginning in verse 11 at a wonderful passage of Scripture. Here we find that the Apostle Paul, in this beautiful book of Ephesians in the New Testament, has just finished talking to uh, his uh, uh, recipients about the fact that, that 
they have been saved by grace, through faith, not because of works, but as a gift, so that no one may boast. That's important. Because as we pick up our passage this morning, beginning in verse 11, we read this, therefore, and whenever we see the word therefore, we always have to ask, what's it therefore? Therefore, in other words, since you have no reason to boast, since you did nothing to earn your salvation, since you're not better than the person sat next to you, because Christ is the one who redeemed you, therefore, remember that at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision, by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands, remember that you were at one time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. The Apostle Paul starts off here by explaining that before knowing Christ, we were alienated from God and we were alienated from one another. He starts off and he's especially speaking to the Gentiles. And Gentiles, as you are probably aware, are those who were not Jewish. That is, they were not descendants of Abraham. And so here we are in the early church. We've got now some, some people who were Jewish who have come to understand that Christ was the promised Messiah. They have by faith drawn near to him or in relationship with him. You also have some Gentiles, some, some Greeks, some Romans uh, uh, from various different places and cultures and backgrounds. They also have now heard the message of the gospel. And, and together in this thing called the church that we're going to talk more about, they have been bound together. He says, but remember this. Remember that it wasn't always that way. In fact, there was an enmity between you and God and an enmity between you and one another. Paul explains the kind of alienation and hostility that exists between different people here. And so you've got to understand that the Jews hated the Gentiles. And as a result, the Gentiles were not exactly too nice toward the Jews either. In fact, as he talks about here, the, uh, uh, the, the Jews, uh, rather than recognizing that when God called them and set them apart as a, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, as we talked about a few weeks ago, that they were supposed to take this special status of relationship with God and demonstrate to a watching world the supremacy of, of the life that is lived in obedience to God so that everybody else might see and be drawn to that. Instead of that, instead of recognizing that they were supposed to put their relationship with God, the presence of God with them on display in an attractive way to the watching nations, they started to see themselves as having this special status that would allow them then to look down on everybody else. We're Jews. We got the stuff. God likes us. He hates you. And so they would actually even call the Gentiles names, and as Paul refers to here, because of the covenant that was given through Abraham of circumcision for the Jewish people, which was an external sign of their participation in the covenant, they would then start to refer to the Gentiles as being the uncircumcised. In fact, the word that they used was they would actually refer to them as being the foreskin. They had no love for these dogs, these Gentiles, and the Gentiles had no love for them. 
And Paul is reminding them, remember, therefore, how things were. That you were separated. And, and look at verse 12. He says, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ. So not only separated from one another at alienation, at enmity with one another. But he says in verse 12, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ. Alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. Strangers to the covenants of promise. You had no part. You were excluded. But it gets worse. You had no hope. And you were without God in the world. That is a desperate situation to be in. People walking around in a spiritual darkness, thinking that they had things together, but in reality, they were people who had no part in the grace of God. No part in fellowship with others. And whose spiritual state was that they were without hope and without God in the world. Friends, did you know that apart from Christ, this still today is the condition of every single person. You and I have friends and neighbors and loved ones who may seem to be gliding through life without a care in the world, but the reality is that they are hopeless. They are building their life on something which cannot support the weight And no matter how spiritual their words may appear to be at times, they are in a condition where they have no relationship with God. Why? Because the scripture is abundantly clear that no one comes to the Father but through the Son. There was a time, says Paul, that you were separated. You were alienated. Your state was desperate. But I love these words that we see at different junctures throughout the New Testament. We see it in verse 13. But, but now, he says, remember how things were, but now for those of you who are in Christ, here's something you need to understand. While you were once alienated and hostile to God and to one another, if you are in Christ, all that has changed. He says, verse 13, but now in Christ, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace, who has made us both one, and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments and ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace. And he might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and he preached peace to those of you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints, members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place, for God, by his spirit. And so what he's continuing to explain to us under the inspiration of the spirit of God here is that in Christ we have now been reconciled to God and to one another. So he starts off talking about the alienation that we had with God and the alienation we had 
with one another. And now he talks about the fact that all of that has changed in Christ. Now we have been reconciled to God and the byproduct of that reconciliation in our relationship with God is that we have also been reconciled to one another. What a beautiful thing. First of all, he starts off here and he explains that by the blood of Christ, we have we have peace with God. In fact, we just celebrated together at the table of communion. And whenever we do that, we remember the body that was broken, the blood that was shed as a propitiation for our sin, a satisfying of the just requirements, the penalty of our sin. Christ died for us. And so he's able to say, now in Christ, you who were once far off have been brought near. I love this. Because when he's talking about the fact that, that if you're in Christ, you who were far off, you were who were alienated, you were hurt, who were enemies with God, have been brought near. He's not talking about have been brought near as in, uh, you know, kind of like your neighbors. Your neighbors live near to you. Uh, some of us maybe think our neighbors live a little too near to us. But it's not talking about near in terms of just sort of that proximity there. There is this idea of the fact that, that we have now been brought into the very presence of God. It's not just that we're just now in the same neighborhood as God. But through Christ, you have been brought into the presence of God. You have access. We'll see that more as this passage unfolds. And now he says, we have peace. For he himself is our peace. I mean, think about that. When we talk about peace in the Christian life, we're often thinking about this idea of the fact that Jesus gives us peace. And that's true. We could go to uh, Philippians chapter 4, a, a wonderful passage. And it talks about the fact that, that we do not need to be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with supplication, or with thanksgiving, rather. Uh, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. We have a God who gives peace in the midst of chaos. But that's not specifically what this passage is talking about. Here, he's talking about the fact that we once were at war with, we were enemies with God. We were the just recipients of the wrath of God. But now, we have been reconciled, and where once we were treasonous enemies, now we are beloved children. If you're watching us online or if you're gathered here this morning and you have never come to this place of acknowledging your personal need of a savior, of acknowledging that when Jesus Christ died on that cross those many years ago, that he hung and died there to bear your sin as well as mine. And it, and it wasn't just a, a, a nice demonstration, 
but it was a necessity because there was no other way by which you can be forgiven of your sin and you can be made right with God. There is nothing but nothing that you can do. And if you've never come to acknowledge that and recognize your own need to respond to the invitation of Jesus Christ, then I will plead with you today. Don't rush into the affairs of the afternoon. Uh, Don't go off thinking about the Super Bowl tonight without stopping and recognizing the fact that if you have never responded to Jesus, God says you are without hope. God says that you are without him. You can call on him all day long, but until you're ready to deal with that invitation that Jesus makes, he won't hear you. But while you are an enemy when you are apart from Christ, when you are in Christ, you are a beloved child. And so my prayer would be that today you would know the peace that comes from knowing Christ. Paul continues here, he explains that by the blood of Christ, the dividing wall of hostility is now broken down. Uh, We see this, he says, he he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. The in his flesh, that's talking about through his bodily sacrifice uh, on the cross, his bearing our sins. He has accomplished a reconciling act. A reconciling act is when when two parties who are are, are at war with one another, who are separated, are now brought together in reconciliation. Their relationship is bonded. And that's what Christ did. He He has broken down a dividing wall of hostility between us and God because our sin has been atoned for. It has been dealt with. And he's also broken down a dividing wall of hostility between us and other believers. That's why he says he has made us both one, having broken down this dividing wall of hostility. Now, there's a sense in which this picture of a dividing wall speaks of the animosity that once existed between us and others who are different from us. But there's also, I think, a very real image here that his readers back in the first century would have been familiar with because you see at the temple in Jerusalem, there were several different courts and the outer court was what was called the the court of the Gentiles. So the Gentiles were allowed to come into the general temple complex, but they couldn't come inside of the temple. They couldn't come kind of to the central point of worship that Jewish people could come to. They were kept out by a huge wall. And all along this wall, over and over and over again, the same plaque would be posted. And this, interestingly enough, is one of those plaques that has been discovered. And uh, the next slide helps us uh, to interpret this in case you don't speak Greek. And, And what it actually says is no foreigner may enter within the barrier and enclosure around the temple. Anyone doing so will have himself to blame for his ensuing Well, that's warm and fuzzy, isn't it? Because the Gentiles weren't welcome. They could come so far, but no further. There was a dividing wall of hostility between people. And Paul, as he writes under the inspiration of the Spirit of God, says, but now in Christ, everything that divided Everything that the world says should cause you to take up arms against one another. 
your, your racial prejudices, your economic prejudices, the, 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 the things from your culture. And, 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 and believe me, everywhere I travel around the world, there are issues and there are tensions between different groups of people. When I go to Vietnam, they hate the Chinese. Well, in, 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 in parts of India, they, they, they despise those in Pakistan. Uh, I'm from England. We detest the French. We've been at war with them forever. There, is the, the, there are these cultural things in, in, in every society. And you know what the thing is? In, our, in the depth of the human heart, there is this desire to alienate others who are not like us. And it is only in the church of Jesus Christ because of the reconciling work of the cross that people who the world says should never have anything in common put on display the fact that their Life is not about their political allegiance, their economic status, their immigration status, their language, the color of their skin, or anything else. Because in Christ, in Christ, we are one body. And it is an incredible thing when a watching world that is constantly dividing, sees people who don't make sense because they have been transformed. By the blood of Christ, we are joined together in this incredible thing called the church. And he goes on to say that we have equal access to God and together in the unity of the Spirit, we show the glory of God to a watching world. I've already read this, but let me say it again. Uh, we see this here. He, he has broken down this dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law and commandment, the ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace. Uh, here's something really important, okay? God did not take Jewish people and make them Gentiles. He did not take Gentile people and make them Jewish. He brought two distinct groups of people, and he brought them together in this new thing called the church. And in doing so, through the cross, it says, God killed the hostility. And it says, and he came and he preached peace to you who were far off. And so there's really a reference there to the Gentiles, you who were, were distant from the promises of God. And he came and he preached, uh, preached priest, uh, peace to those who were near. In other words, the proclamation of peace through Christ is the same to everybody. Not a different message. But Christ to all. And he says, for through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. We're talking about the presence of God in this series. And that's really the crux of what he's talking about here. We have equal access through Christ and through Christ alone into the very presence of God. God delights, as we've been talking about, to make his presence known to his people. But lest any of us get puffed up 
by the fact that we get to know the living God. That we get to become boldly before his throne of grace. Don't forget. So do others. Yes, it is a high and holy status that we have. But don't you dare try to erect a wall of hostility and stand in judgment against others who through the blood of Christ have also gained equal access. What a tragedy it is when the church of Jesus Christ divides and rebuilds a wall of hostility that Christ himself has torn down. How Dare we look at people who are coming from another nation, whether we agree with the way they get here or not? How dare we look at people who speak a different language, who have a different color? If they name the name of Jesus Christ, if they declare him as Lord, if they have come by faith and faith alone, they are brothers and sisters in Christ. Get over yourselves. We cannot We cannot fall into the trap that the world around us tries to lay for us where we build bunkers over whether we're wearing masks or not wearing masks. Whether we're going to get a vaccine or not get a vaccine. Go before the Lord. Seek the Lord. Exercise wisdom. Don't even think about trying to come into the presence of God when you have something against your brother. But you know what Jesus said? In Matthew chapter 5, he says, if you have an offering, you're bringing it before the altar, yet you remember that you have something against your brother, go deal with that first before you bring your offering. Be reconciled. This is serious business. The presence of God, the, the, the congregational gathering of God's people, which is so important. Is not a place where we get to come and look around with a prideful arrogance and say, I'm better than that person. Or a place where we say, well, I'm going to continue to hold a grudge against that person in my life. Because the presence of God is a place of peace. Because the presence of God is where Jesus has opened a way for us by his reconciling blood to come before our great and mighty God. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints, members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. We once were strangers. We once were aliens. We once were outside the wall. But now the wall has been brought down. I love this. You are now members of God's household. I mean, think about your house. You don't just let anybody in, right? I'm guessing you don't let just anybody in. A number of years ago, there was a book that was released. It was a secular book, but it was called Refrigerator Rights. And it talked about the fact that we need to have people in our lives. We need to allow access to our lives so that there are certain people in our lives who have refrigerator rights. That is, they get to walk in, open the refrigerator, and help themselves. We once were kept outside. Now God says, hey, come check out the fridge and help yourself. 
because we are members of the household of God, no longer strangers and aliens. And God, by his spirit, is doing something incredible. It says here that he is through Christ on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. That is the teaching that we have in the scriptures here. With Christ being the cornerstone, he is building this thing called the church. He's joining people who who once were separated together into a holy temple in the Lord. And it's interesting here, this idea of the body as being a temple is corporate. This is speaking about the gathered assembly of of believers that together we get to be the dwelling place of God. Together, we get to be the physical, visible representation of the glory of God before a watching world. He says, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. And so, we talk about the presence of God. The presence of God is manifested as a body. And we experience that presence together in a unique way that we cannot apart. It's true that at home, on your own, or anywhere else for that matter, on your own, you can, you can enjoy the presence of God, but there is something unique. And in our experience of the presence of God, when we are together as the assembled people of God, and we get to put on display the reconciling work of Christ for a watching world to see. This is why when believers come to me and they say, oh, you know, I don't really need the church, or I don't really go to church, it's just me and Jesus. That's unbiblical. Because we cannot experience all that God has called us to experience, and we cannot display all that God has called us to display in isolation. And so what do we do with this? Well, together... As a body, uh, to experience this for a wa- and, and, and to demonstrate for a watching world to see. There's a few things that we need to recognize. The first is that we need to make being together in God's presence a priority. I mean, let's think about it. How can a watching world around us have any idea uh, of this unity that we are called to in Christ if they never actually see us together? There's something beautiful that happens when we gather together. It's kind of like that L-train moment, Right? I mean, some of us sat here in the building right now, this Sunday morning, are here with people who we would never have dreamed of being here with. That's one of the beautiful things about the body of Christ. When we make it a priority to be in God's presence together, we actually make a declaration through our priority that this is important and that we are committed to one another and the reconciling work of Christ in our midst and that we put that reconciled relationship with God as a priority in our schedule. Uh, More than that, when we come together, when we gather together as the church, we set aside our own agenda and our own uh, focus, uh, uh, self-focused worship in order to worship Christ with one voice. It is a beautiful thing when our voices are joined together in praise to God. Not least because it covers up my voice. But because there is a wonderful harmony, whether we are singing in key or not, when our hearts are lifted as one before the Lord. It is a beautiful thing. 
And we are so thankful that you're able to join us online. We are so thankful for this technology that allows that. But I, I, I bet that you're like me. In the early months of this, before my family and I were able to gather back here in person, we would sit in our living room. We would try to participate as much as possible. It just isn't the same when we're singing and the dog is barking. As when we're gathered together and we can hear the voice of others. We get to, when we gather together, we get to pray for one another and with one another. Sometimes we'll come in here, we'll see somebody, and we're reminded to pray. There are times, and you know one of the things I miss about this season? I miss the upfront prayer. And I long for the time that we're going to be able to do that again. Because when we're together, we can take time to pray for one another. I miss stopping with somebody in the lobby and saying, hey, can I take a moment to pray with you right now? I'm putting my hand on their shoulder and, and the two of us coming before the Lord together. Uh, we, we get to focus, when we are gathered together, we, we get to focus on that which unites us more than what, that which divides us. And this is so important. This is so important. I've already mentioned there are many things that, that, that the world says ought to separate us. And we tend to focus on all sorts of different things. I think it's interesting, he stresses here, our new citizenship in Christ. You know, some of us need to recognize that our new identity means that we have a new citizenship. Our new citizenship means that our ultimate priority is the kingdom of heaven. We're representatives of that, not of the Republican Party or the Democrat Party. It's okay to be engaged, but we have a higher allegiance. Uh, but what Paul actually in this letter of Ephesians goes on in chapter 4 to talk about is the fact that when we gather together, we display something beautiful, and that is that that which unites us in Christ is far more important than that which divides us. And he explains that what unites us is that we uh, have one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. What does that mean? It means the fact that we have one way of access. We have a common faith. And when we gather together, we're reminded of that. And when we gather together, we get to fellowship with one another. We get to grow in love for one another. It's so important that we spend time getting together, even in these times where it's hard to get together. It's one of the reasons we talk about small groups and getting plugged into a small group. Because it's not just about gathering on Sunday morning. We've got to be in interaction and relationship with one another. So we put this unity on display. It's an opportunity for us to serve together, to spend time together, to, 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 to not rush off on a Sunday morning, but to actually stop and, and fellowship with one another. And at other times, to invite somebody to, 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 to have a Zoom call during the week, just to touch base, to maybe do a Bible study together, just to encourage one another, or pray with one another, to gather for coffee. And Pastor Rich is going to be up in just a moment just to give uh, another very practical application of how we can put this into practice. But we need to give our time and use our diverse gifts to serve one another in humility. Truth is, not only have we been reconciled to God, reconciled with one another, but we have been gifted by the Holy Spirit. And those gifts can only be used in community with believers. 
A world that is alienated from God and alienated from one another desperately needs to see that through Christ there is hope. Through Christ there is peace. In Him there is reconciliation. The church is something that is utterly glorious. The church is something that is utterly unique. It is the church of Jesus Christ that gets to display the power of Jesus to a world that desperately needs to know Him. And my prayer, my prayer is that the village of Huntley, the city of Crystal Lake, the city of Woodstock, of, of, of Lake in the Hills, that this community would see us working together, laughing together, serving together, crying together, worshiping together, and embracing one another, at least with an air hug. Not in the momentary and awkward way that might take place on an L train, but intentionally and joyfully committed to one another, growing in Christ together and celebrating our diversity while rejoicing in our unity, all in the presence of our joyful God. Because Jesus loves his church. And he has reconciled us to God. He has reconciled us to one another. So that we can put this ministry of reconciliation on display. For all to see. And so that we would know. What it is to enjoy the presence of God. In the midst. Of God's people. Would you pray with me? Oh God, we thank you that when we were alienated from you and alienated from one another, that you brought us near by the blood of Jesus Christ. Lord, that those things that once divided us have been swept away. Not that there aren't hurts and pains and, and, and issues that, that, that surface and that come up, but that you, our God of peace, have made peace on our behalf. I pray that we as a church would be a people who delight to be in one another's presence so that we can delight in your presence together. Teach us to walk in unity. Forgive us for when we try to erect that dividing wall of hostility with our own preferences, our own self-focus, our own prejudices, oh God. Give us humble hearts. Convict us of our sin. May we keep short accounts with you and with one another. And Lord, in a way that we cannot even fully begin to comprehend, because we need your help so desperately, we ask that your spirit would work in our lives, binding us together in such a way that a watching world would see and be amazed, not so much at us, at the greatness of who you are and that they too would come to experience your holy presence because of the love that we have one for another. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Tim, I so much appreciate uh, your friendship and I appreciate your teaching and it's been a blessing for me um, just to be uh, friends with Tim and his family. They're such a blessing to our church. And, uh, you know, it's interesting because um, I think about 
um, our friendship, but it's about who we are together uh, that gives me joy. And when I think about the body of Christ, it's who we are together uh, that brings uh, me joy. As you read throughout Scripture, um, I find at least 59 different passages in the New Testament that talks about who we are together. It talks about the one another's of Scripture. And as you read through uh, the New Testament in Mark, John, Romans, there's 59 different passages that talk about the importance of who we are together. And so I have a personal relationship with Christ, or you might have a personal relationship with Christ. It's our relationship with Christ is personal, but who we are together is so an important part of who God's called us to be. And so those one another's of Scripture are so important. If you want to go to springbrook.org slash one another's, we've got all these uh, passages for you. I'd encourage you uh, to maybe use those as a time of reflection. You know, we talk about the one another's, we hear great messages, we come to church on Sunday, and um, those are all building blocks of what it means to be in relationship with one another. And so you've heard a great message this morning, and so it's almost like you have the building blocks to be connected um, to the body of Christ. And so this is a power strip. This is the charger to my cell phone. You know, these two things, unless they're connected together, just really aren't going to work together. So we have the building blocks that we find in Scripture that define for us what it means to be connected to one another, to be one another together. And so, but it's important that we take the time to connect those two if the phone's going to charge. And not that, but I have, to, I have to plug it into an outlet. Right now it's not plugged into anything. So it's not going to charge my phone. And so being connected is really an important part of who God has called us to be together. And so I just want to encourage you. We've had over 100 new families that we've connected with in this past year. It's been exciting to see how many families we've connected with online. And we are so glad that you are with us. It's exciting to see how many families we've connected with as we start to move back to in-person. I just want to encourage you to explore what does it mean to be connected at Springbrook. On February 17th, in just two weeks, we're going to be hosting a starting point workshop. It's an opportunity for you to get to hear a little bit more about our vision, our mission, our values, a little bit about our history. It's an opportunity for us to get to know you a little bit better. It's only a two-week workshop. It's going to be Wednesday evenings from 7 to 8.30. And it's a great opportunity for you to hear more about what it means to be connected, more about what it means to be in this one another community. And so if you have questions about Springbrook, if you want to know what your next step is on your spiritual journey, how you can be a part of what God's doing uh, in and through our ministry, through this local body of Christ, I want to encourage you to sign up for our starting point workshop. There's no obligations. It's just an opportunity for you to get to come and hear about what God's doing. And so you can sign up for that at any point during the next two weeks. Just go to springbrook.org slash connect, and you'll be able to sign up for one of our starting point workshops. Or maybe you've been at Springbrook for a while, and you are interested in maybe becoming a member. At springbrook.org slash membership, um, you can look at all the benefits of membership. It talks about why membership is important. You know, we're members of Costco. We're members of our fitness club. We're members of all these different clubs. I think of all the membership cards I have in my wallet. But when it comes to membership at a church, sometimes there's some questions. There's some, uh, some hesitancy about becoming a member. Being a member of a church is a biblical opportunity for you to be connected. And so if you want to know more about membership or what it means to be a member at Springbrook, you can go to springbrook.org slash member. And we'll love the opportunity to help you to, to be a part of this biblical community. You know, the Bible says that every believer has a spiritual gift, and those spiritual gifts are for the purpose of building up the body of Christ. And so we're going to be hosting a spiritual gifts class in the next few weeks as well. And so on our app, on our website, you can go to uh, the Starting Point Workshop. You can go explore membership. You can discover your spiritual gifts. We want to help people to get connected to Springbrook and explore and experience the fullness of what it means to be together as the body of Christ. Our small groups have been an integral part of our ministry. This last year, as we've not been able to meet together, 
Our small groups have never been stronger. We've got 70% of the people at Springbrook that attend at Springbrook are connected to a small group. And that's where we have an opportunity to pray for one another, to encourage one another, to talk about the things that we're learning together. And so small group life is an important part of our community at Springbrook. And so if you want to know more information about small groups, you guessed it, springbrook.org slash groups. And there you get a list of our small groups. You can let us know how we can help you find a group. But we want to encourage you to take what you're hearing and look for opportunities to put them into practice because it's then that you're able to best experience the fullness of the presence of God in your life. We're so glad that you're with us. We have three more weeks of this uh, series. We're looking forward to what God's going to do in and through us. And then we're preparing to look at the law and the cross as we move towards Easter. We've got some exciting things planned as we move towards uh, Easter in the summer. And we are so glad that you're with us. But more importantly than that, we hope that you'll get connected to this body of Christ so that you can experience the fullness of the peace and the presence of God in your life. We're glad that you're with us today. We hope you have a great afternoon. We look forward to seeing you next week. And may the peace of Christ rest on you. Um, we have our small group online hosts are with you uh, this morning. If you uh, would like somebody to pray with you, you can just go to our online host. We'll be more than happy to do that. Um, so they'll be there for the next few moments after the service. If you have not filled out your connection card, uh, we want to encourage you to do that as well. But we hope you have a great day, and thanks for being with us today.